What's up, everybody? Welcome to Left for Dread. Left I'm for Dread. <laughs> uh, I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Marlowe. And I'm your other host, Chris Sampson. And welcome to our first official episode. So if you're listening to this, you probably just, maybe you're binge listening or maybe just hopped in. But we have a pilot introductory episode uh, already up. So you, if you listen to that, you'll know what the show is all about. And this is our first official episode. So Ryan, um, we have a very special holiday coming up. And because of that holiday, we are, that's the basis of our episode. So what are we celebrating? Today we are celebrating moms and all of their wonderful psychosis. Mm -hmm. AKA, happy Mother's Day, mom. We're celebrating all of you nutjobs. Yes, we're celebrating. (laughs) And well, well, today... Well, happy Mother's Day, everyone. And today we'll be reviewing two movies featuring psychopathic, serial killer, unhinged, crazy moms that make for great horror movie villains. So, yeah. Yes, that's great. <laughs> um, and, Ryan, what two movies are we reviewing today? So, the first one is a 1994 movie with Kathleen Turner, directed by John Waters. A horror comedy called Serial Mom. And the second one is a movie is a remake actually called Mother's Day from 2010. And it's directed by one of my favorite directors, Darren Lynn Bowsman. Uh I chose the remake and not the original purely because of the director. Um and also because I well, actually, no, that's really the only reason is because it was directed by Taryn Lynn Bowsman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, for him. for uh, horror newbies out there, if you don't know Darren Lynn Bowsman, he's a huge horror icon with such accolades under his belt like the Saw movies, especially Saw through Saw 2, 3, and 4, uh, Repo the Genetic Opera, um... The Devil's Carnival and uh, Devil's think... Carnival one and two. Mm-hmm. That's right, and I believe he's also directed some TV and yes, but yes, uh, I think it's most well known for Saw. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so let's start. Well, actually, Ryan, which one do you want to start with? Let's start with let's start with Kathleen Turner. That came that came first mm-hmm. chronologically. So let's start with that one. Yes. So Serial Mom. Just for some production notes. This again, uh, it was directed and wrote. Uh, wow, it was written and directed by John Waters. Um, the main main actress and actresses. So you have Kathleen Turner as the titular character and the main character, uh, Beverly. Uh, you also have Sam Waterston as uh, the dad, um, Ricky Lake as one of their daughters, Misty, and horror veteran Matthew Lillard as Chip. I loved this. Like, loved it. Mostly because I've seen a lot of John Waters films, and John Waters films are not for everybody. They're obscene and disgusting and i don't mean disgusting in the sense of like gore i mean like they are truly disgusting um he directed i don't know if anyone out there has ever heard of divine 
but he directed a lot of movies like before hairspray with a drag queen called divine in them and uh in one of these movies divine actually eats dog poop like real for real moist warm dog shit <laughs> yeah john waters in general is a very very strange and eclectic character so which i'm fine uh, with which is great and and like this film well actually well i mean this i the, the john waters like uh like fingerprints are all over this film like the film is set in baltimore maryland and he was born he's a baltimore resident um it um even though the movie overall is like a loving satire of horror it's also praises a lot and john waters um even from a uh, even from a young child uh he was very very influenced by by horror and by and gore um he like some fun facts uh he as a child he used to try to sneak in and watch adult only films at the local drive-in with binoculars uh he's also obsessed with true crime and he he would attend really he, he would attend murder trials and other criminal trials all over the u.s um as if like like a like a freaking tourist um and yeah so i and I feel like this what this movie encapsulated all those uh, weird on screen and real life, uh, I guess passions and quirks and his his interest in it into one really dark humor. Like it's 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 really interesting because I love I love this film just like Ryan does because it's it's macabre but it's like one of the one of the funniest movies i've seen well, that's uh, probably movies. It's why just... i liked it so much because it was a disgusting gory satire on a like leave it to beaver suburban family mm-hmm. it was i thought it was fucking hilarious um mm-hmm. it was like anything that offended her or anyone that offended her for any reason, you were just going to die. Yeah, it was. It it's so it 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 takes. Um, uh, yeah, it was like it's. I I like the horror in suburbia is like, uh, like how it portrays. It's like oh yeah, suburbia. Like it's like the the baby boomer, um, the green grass lawn and white picket fence, uh, ideal American dream. And it's a very, it's, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's balanced on this really delicate balance and, uh, like Surya mom or Kath, uh, Kathleen Turner, she plays Beverly. Um, like it, it's like every single little tiny nuisance from like, from wearing, wearing white after Labor Day. That was my or... favorite. <laughs> that was Which my was... favorite. It was so good. Or just the fact that like, um. You know, so one of her neighbors stole her parking space, so now she, like it, it, like something in her brain snaps, and now she's on this highway to hell into becoming a psychopathic serial murder. And it does it in a really quirky and oddball and very humorous way, and I and I love it. I I really I have I loved this I think a lot more than I had anticipated. Um, I think so. I. To, I'm going to bounce around a little bit and then I guess we'll track back and just sort of go through it a little bit at a time. 
I think my two favorite kills in this movie was the one of the clients that comes into the video store that her son works at. And oh, is it the one where um he, uh well, where like, she beats where her she... to death with like yeah. a mutton chop? So uh, for some context, at this at this point in the movie, um, Kathleen Turner develops a, a high profile public persona. Everyone starts calling her serial mom, and she comes into the to Chip's uh video store. He works at a movie store, uh, a video rental place, and returns a film and doesn't rewind the film. And she gets pissed off at Chip for being charged with a one dollar fee. Um, and... Because she didn't have the common decency. Yeah. Um, and she also called Chip a son of a psycho. So yes. then Kathleen Turner proceeds to stalk her in, in, in one of the most... It, it was a really... It was really jarring in that it's it was so ridiculous. Uh, but it's really... Like, it's so ridiculous, it, it, you can't help but laugh, but it's also really gruesome. Which I feel like it explains the entire tone of the film. It like, does. It's... It absolutely does. So, you you watch her follow this person back to her house where she's sitting there watching Annie. And there is... kill All the killing aside, John Waters has this tendency to take something seemingly normal and turn it into something disgusting that you don't want to watch. Like watching the neighbors eat their chicken for dinner. I was very disturbed just by watching them eat it because of the way, I guess, he directed them to do it and the noises and it was just Well, yeah, snap cuts and, and very good, very good sound, audit- uh, sound editing and just, the, I mean, you just also placing have it in the have, right context. Exactly. You also have to have like that kind of frame of mind to direct someone to be like, okay, you're going to eat it like this, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. And I think he does that beautifully. Um, that being said, I know a lot of people that have dogs whose dogs might like to lick their feet. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If that's something your dog likes to do, that's great. But in this scene, it's it just it, it's so revolting the way it's the way it's constructed within the scene. She's sitting there belting out Annie. Her dog is licking her feet and her toes and she's like, "Yeah, get in there." And it's 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 really really gross. And Kathleen Turner comes into the house and she takes the kitchen knife off the table. And her son and her son's girlfriend are trying to see into the house to try and stop her from killing somebody. And they're like switching places because they can't hold each other up at the same time. And when the girlfriend pops up, she's like, oh no, she's, she's, she didn't do it. She's not in there. Because at that point, Kathleen Turner had went to go stab her with a kitchen knife and decided against it. And you're like, oh, maybe she had a change of heart. No, she just decided to do it with a different kind of weapon. She goes back into the kitchen, puts the kitchen knife down, and takes the giant, like... It's like a leg of lamb. It's like a leg, exactly. (laughs) She takes the giant leg of lamb, beats the neighbor to death with it, and then the dog eats it. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, and what's, what's, I mean, yes, it's gruesome, but at the same time, at the same time, like, some of that tension, some of that horror is like, not, I guess it's not uh, diluted, but it's just made slightly more off-putting in a humorous way because it's just like there's like two different toes smashed together, and like the, the like the entire time when she's like picking up the knife or like she's 
thinking about using the like a lamb. She's like she has this really sweet suburban mom smile, and she's like petting the dog and and feeding her, and like and she's so sunshiny. And then she goes and proceeds to pr- proceed this brutal act. Like I, it's just like the the, the economy of those two tones just it just it just fuses into like this really unsettling but really like funny like generally funny tone and when i was allowed i was thinking about it like a, a similar scene that i feel emulates it that same type of tone but i, I think it, it's a little bit on the darker side was um you know christian bale killing um oh paul allen what's his name oh god i can't oh jared leto in like american psycho where, oh, like, that's my favorite. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like this two very news? different themes. Where like it's like like Christian Bale is just like he's just, like he's like he's like clearly unhinged, but clearly in a giddy mood, just giving his review on hip Q-ray to be Lewis square, and hip to be square, and then he ends up brutally murdering Jared Leto. And I felt felt like it's like that that entire type of dichotomy encompasses this film, and it's just oh, it's. It was done so well. I honestly don't think, especially in the 90s, I don't think this kind of movie could have been pulled off necessarily unless someone like John John Waters was doing it purely because of the subject matter. I mean, you have Picture Perfect Housewife turned literal serial mom only killing people that really, if you come down to it, it's not even in, like, defense of her family. It's really just people that that personally offend her. For whatever reason, I mean, I th- I feel like that was a satire on, like, I don't know, like crimes of passion and just serial kills in general. Like, like if you look at, if just if you follow true crime, you and and um just like murders in general, you would think like a lot of murders are happen are happen in a crime of passion. They they happen in a uh, perceived slight or grievance against them, and this just takes it to the nth degree like how far can we stretch this this phenomenon to the point where it's just so absurd that that it's just it's just laughable and you know this this movie's littered with that i think so to rewind just a bit because like i said we're gonna we jumped all over the place now we're just gonna reel it back in when you first start this movie it's like Classic American family, perfectly manicured lawns, everyone lives in, like, these little houses, there are perfect neighbors, perfect everything. It's a, it's a super sanitized version of Baltimore. Yeah. Which- It's like, everything is cleaned within an inch of its life, everything looks perfect, and everyone's sitting down to this picturesque, like, perfect breakfast, and there's a fly buzzing around, because it's a fly, because there's food around, everything is, like, fresh and sweet and whatever. And you watch Kathleen Turner, you watch the wheels in her head going, and you can tell that there's something off. She looks like she's just so far removed because this fly is now interrupting this breakfast time with her family. And it's weird, at the same time, it's like, she's one, trying to keep up in a, like, a, a cheerful, happy mom appearance, like, but, like, exactly. at the same time, there's, like, a bit of, like, in her eyes or in, like, her body language, like, you feel like she's some what like far away or detached and it's like that's it's in general like it's like it's like grade a acting from kathleen turner 
I yeah exactly she's just so far removed from everything because she's like it's it looks like her face is saying I'm trying very hard to concentrate on what my family is trying to have a discussion with me about but I can't because there's a fly that is being incredibly rude and buzzing around and interrupting my breakfast and as soon as she kills it with the fly swatter her entire mood changes back and she's like calm zen suburban mom everybody goes to work everyone goes to school and you're like, well, this is what we get to see what the housewives do every day. And what does she do? She goes upstairs. Oh, no, wait. See, I went too far. While they're at breakfast, they get visited by two cops. Apparently, a neighbor is getting harassing phone calls from someone, and they don't know who it is. And they're using perverse language. Oh, poor, poor Dottie. Poor right. Dottie being subjected to the to the oh so scandalous slur, pussy exactly. willow. <laughs> yeah, like she's she's getting harassed, and she's like, I don't know who would ever want to harass poor Dottie. Everyone goes to work, everyone goes to school, and we follow Kathleen Turner upstairs. She picks up the phone, and she's calling a neighbor, and we're like, oh, this must be the neighbor that's getting harassed. So we're like, oh, she must be doing like a condolence call or something like that. And that's where we find out that it's actually Kathleen Turner that's making the obscene phone calls. And she can't understand why. She's like, I don't know what I did. She's like, I've changed my number three times. She doesn't understand what's going on. And Kathleen Turner is using, like, disgusting language for this world that they've, like, created. She's saying stuff like pussy and motherfucker and this and that and, oh, you... and and again oh and again this is all because Dottie like a couple days stole before her stole her parking parking spot so she decided to harass her and i yeah and it just gets more and more absurd yeah as like the movie th goes on yeah i i feel like i feel like everyone has that pressure release valve and maybe maybe that that temptation to you know um, you know, I, I think everyone, like, sooner or later, everyone has a thought like, oh, girl, you know, this person pissed me off. I wish so-and-so has X or Y done something to them. Um, you know, but Kathleen, she takes it too far and it just, and it, like, there's, like, escalation just goes further and further and further. Like, I feel like the further along the movie goes, I mean, uh, uh, harassing someone for stealing your parking spot, like, even though that's, like, a first world problem. I can see why people can get mad at that, but like, just like the the grievances that she or these perceived slights and faux pas uh, that she abhors just gets like there is it, like the reasons seem way more petty and way more unjustifiable unju than the last one, and it's just again it just it, it just ranks up the the humor and like the absurdity and like it's like why is this happening but we don't know because she's crazy and just roll with it it's just, it's just a weird it's 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 just it's one of those things where i feel like it's just john waters classic like weird quirkiness and like i feel like this is this, this might be a reason why like some people might not like it it's just like either you get it and you click it or you don't and exactly it's like i think it's like uh i think it's like a polarizing film in that way um but yeah, everything is just a little bit more ridiculous than the next. So she's harassing her neighbor because she stole her parking spot. Then she goes to a PTA meeting that night for her son, who is doing really well in school. 
And the teacher acknowledges that. He's like, he's a great student. He does all of his homework. He doesn't talk back, this, that, and the other. But I'm worried about him because he's too obsessed with horror movies and the macabre. He drew this in class. And she's like, oh, it's nothing. He works at a video store. He's fine. And he's like, well, something must be wrong in the household. I think he needs help. And this really offends her that this man would insinuate that it's her fault or there's something wrong with her son's home life that he would just be into horror movies. So what does she do? She runs the math teacher over with her car. Not because he got bad grades, not because he's flunking her, which is what I had anticipated. I fully thought that she was going to go in there and he's going to be like, well, your son's failing and if he doesn't pick up his grades, we're going to have to keep him back or something like that. And so she would like run him over with the car. It's literally because he insinuated that they're not doing their job as parents. Uh, and then the, 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 it begins to jump. Like, so uh, the, I think the, one of the biggest turns in, into how ridiculous everything is getting um, cause I see, th- I think like the first three, which was the, um, you know, the math teacher and, you know, the parking spot. And then there was the one that was under, I guess like, I, I think from a maternal standpoint, it's kind of understand, it's, well, I think it's, uh, it's relatable. Basically her, her daughter got stood up by, uh, a crush she had and she found, she found him, uh, cavorting with another girl at, at the swap meet. But at the kill after that is where, and we mentioned this before, where it's like it's it's we've gone off the we we've gone to the deep end and we're we're just there for the ride. Is when, um, is when, I this was like somewhere in between the second and third act, and this surprised me because uh so so for to context, one of Chip's friends, Scotty, accuses. A serial mom of all the weird murders are happening in town, and when the kids mention that during dinner, serial mom or Beverly gets up in the middle of the dinner table and le- abruptly leaves, and everyone's like, "Oh no, they're gonna kill Scotty!" And then what ensues is a is a big car chase between the kids and the parents and this police. Yeah, and I was like, well, "Huh, um, this seems kind of early on for like a third act style climax." chasing and I was really curious where this is going um because this was still like this is a, maybe like halfway through the movie um and then there's like a there's like a like a not a twist but like a switch up where instead of killing Scotty Beverly ends up at uh a couple and kills them because um uh Beverly's husband uh, the dad is a dentist, and the whole reason why she killed this particular family is because uh, the dad had to co- was called into work on a Saturday to work on this guy's root canal, and they canceled a trip on Saturday to uh, to to go bird watching. And Ryan mentioned before the thing that set her off was she found them at, at the middle of dinner eating chicken. And she was reminded by the starlings that she she so loved, and basically and killed they killed them by stabbing with scissors and dropping an air conditioner on on the husband. And it and it wasn't just that though. The wife even said like, "Careful, like you you heard what the doctor said. No sweets for you because of your tooth." And he was like, "Ah, eh, fuck them." Yeah, the dentist doesn't know anything. Essentially. <laughs> 
And she was, and that just like pushed her over. And she's like, well, screw this couple. You don't appreciate what my husband does. And you have the nerve to take him away from me on my weekend. I'm going to kill you both. And she does. Yeah. And like, I think that particular kill was a turning point. Because the thing, the the reasonings behind the killings just, just become way more far-fetched. Like, like I said before, or like, like like we talked about uh, being called the son of a psycho or like, refusing to rewind uh, a little bit further down um um oh yeah after she kills her with the lamb chop she says rewind and she pushes the rewind button on the tv and starts to rewind the vhs tape mm-hmm. for her yeah because she didn't do it the first time yep and then in the the next kill um beverly does does kill Scotty, uh, but not because he doesn't wear a seatbelt when he drives. Yeah, exactly. It, it wasn't so much that Scotty like n- like found her out because Scotty was was snooping uh, on Beverly as, as she killed um, uh, Mrs. Jensen with the, like a lamb. Now, the reason the, the the main reason why and this is a running gag throughout the entire movie was like uh, she killed Scotty because she she did he didn't wear a seatbelt like. It wasn't even like, oh, he saw me kill this neighbor lady. I have to get rid of him so because I can't have any witnesses. It's because, as she always mentions to the cops every single time she sees them, why are you suspecting me of doing all of this when there's a kid that drives around town with no seatbelt on because that's against the law. Yeah. Yeah. And it's done like it's such an eager, beager kind of way. And the cops yeah. like, like, oh, they just write it off. It's like, it's... And after that, and after Scotty's murder... Um, I wasn't expecting this tone shift, um, cause I felt like it would have been like a cat and mouse, uh, escalation sort of movie where like Beverly continues and continues to evade the police and which she does, but like, and in the third act and on the, the set, the entire setting changes where she, she does, she gets arrested and the rest of the movie takes place in court. Um, which was, uh, which I wasn't expecting. And it was like, it was a definitely like a left turn in the movie that I wasn't expecting. But, um, I think this was John Waters way of like uh, adding in a new victim, uh, for satire. Uh, so like, so definitely throughout the entire film or the majority of the film, uh, it was definitely a, a satire of like, you know, like, like suburban life oh yeah like 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 middle class uh suburban life um and here it turns to a satire of america's love for true crime and um i guess like criminal trial sensation uh this this is seen in a number of ways where um Beverly is given celebrity status as a murderer. Everyone's calling her serial mom. They're buying pearls. Uh, she... They're buying her mug shots. They're buying books. Yeah. Sold by her yeah, kids. Yeah, like the I kids. The kids make a killing of becoming their a- becoming their mom's agents and trying to get like media deals and movie rights. And um, I-, I think I think this movie is is delightfully delightfully dated because like. They one of like like a big running gag was trying to get Suzanne Summers to play as the mom yes. in like a, like, a, like a lifetime bio a biopic of her, and it, and like the kids are just you know set, setting up shop outside of the courthouse selling like posters and pins and banners and 
Um, it, I, I found that to be a really biting and really, really satisfying uh, satire of, like, true crime. Because, like, just even look, I mean, I think... They did that during Ameri- the OJ trial, too, in the 90s. Exactly. Um, and especially in the last few years, uh, you know, in, like, we're a podcast. In the podcasting world alone, like, ever since Serial, like, you know... Went in on the went in on the scene in 2015. There are more true crime podcasts that you can count, and um, I feel like it's a nice it's a nice biting like uh tongue out or a very tongue in cheek message to that. Oh yeah, I think what I what I also really liked about this was was the fact that it was kind of dated. So like in today's world, you can actually write uh prisoners like serial killers while they're in prison. And no, there's no guarantee that they will write back to you, but it has happened. People have developed correspondence with all these people. And Kathleen Turner's character has a tape, has an audio cassette tape of Ted Bundy, who's actually being voiced by John Waters, talking to her from prison. Yeah, and then uh, she also has like a bunch of scrapbooks, and I... Yeah, like, of I... Manson and all this other stuff. It was just, it's it's so... It was before this whole brand, oh, not brand new, but this whole new rush of true crime and. Uh, I guess like resurgence, a renewed interest. Or... Yeah, exactly. I think res- resurgence is definitely the right word. It was definitely before all of that. So if you had seen something like Serial Mom now, I think to make it work t- for today, you would have to make it a little bit more gory. Like I don't think it would work quite as well. With everything that you have today, with stuff like Serial and Mindhunter, like it would have to be, I think, a little bit more gruesome and gross for it to really, really work. I just think that there was something so obscenely charming about this movie. Yeah, and uh, like it, it keeps on with this with this tongue in cheek tone the entire time. Like even even like sandwiched between like the beginning and ending, uh, the movie is set like. The movie is set as itself like a true crime biopic as well. Like the, the, uh, the there's like a tagline at the beginning. It's like this story is completely true. Like no one in this, none of the actors or none of the people were paid. Um, and uh, oh yeah, their names have been changed for their protection, and it was taken from like actual trial records and conversations and files and stuff like that. I was like, oh, you really went there. Yeah, and then. Th- and there's even like a postscript. Well, so like uh, at the it was like in the end, in the end, Beverly refused to cooperate with the with the making of this film, and uh, it's just it was just it it just portray it just I just love I love this film. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed this, and I think my two favorite kills of this movie was the lamb chop and the juror who. Okay, so when she comes in and sees the jury. She's very, like, she's presenting herself as this, like, perfect suburban mom. And as her lawyer starts to present their side of it, she writes a note and directs her attention to it. And on the giant legal notepad, it says, Juror number three is wearing white shoes after Labor Day. <laughs> the, the ultimate faux pas. <laughs> Right, of all the things, she's like, I don't want this person on this jury because she's wearing white shoes. And the judge was like, well, that's ridiculous. That's that's not happening. So instead, she decides to represent herself and pull a Ted Bundy. And she ultimately 
it works. She gets to have her really obscene, like, over-the-top basic instinct moment with the perverted, wit, like, bathroom stall witness. And, and she pr- she she proves uh surprisingly up dead. She's like, oh yes, I I read all the law books, and then she proceeds to discredit the witnesses one by one. And I I was just so amused by this, uh, because I actually served as a pettit juror not too long ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was it was for a civil case, but I was like I was like, huh, I can see where this is going, but at the same time, I feel like this is so implausible because they actually had physical evidence on her, um, especially. Like from one of the kills with the the poker. Yes. Um. Like they had they had her fingerprints on a fireplace poker that she she used to kill. Um. Um. Oh, Misty's, Misty's crush yeah. that that stirred her up. But it's like they, the the defense had grounds to put her away. They didn't. But I. But but I I just to, to amp up the humor and just like how just how absurd this whole thing is like she one by one dismantles every single witness testimony and the only one she failed or not failed but like didn't convince or didn't discredit but was the one person whose testimony was was subject to crit- uh scrutiny anyway which was uh this marijuana uh this high school student smoking marijuana who who married who uh who witnessed like the initial killing with the car beforehand and she was just high on her mind on she the was witness she stand. was high as a kite yes so you go through the whole trial they find her innocent they take her home and juror number three who's wearing the white shoes goes to make a phone call and she's like we proved her innocent i knew she was she thought she was innocent the whole time so you're like Oh, that's so sweet. Like, you're an idiot, but you really thought she was innocent. And Kathleen Turner comes in, hangs up the phone, and she says, You know you don't wear white shoes after Labor Day. And she's like, That's not how it works anymore. And she's like, Yes, it is. And she beats her to death with the phone <laughs> she's on. It's like, The rules of fashion are ironclad and absolute. And she's like, Yeah. Yeah. It's just. Again, it's just it's just one absurd thing after the other. I and that's know. and that's basically where the movie where the movie starts to wind down. She kills this juror while they're there. And as they're walking out, she's walking out with this LA actress, this Hollywood actress who they had been gagging should play her in the movie of her life the whole time. And as they're walking together, she keeps pulling her back to like get photos together and she keeps trying to switch sides with her. And she's like, no, 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 you should go over here. She looks at her and she's like, that's my bad side. And then you hear people screaming because they found someone dead. And you just see this actress's face. And she's like, oh, my God, this woman really is nuts. And that's the way. And that's where the movie ends. And it was, I thought it was perfect. I fucking loved it. I I really enjoyed it. Um it's just it it was just so ridiculous it was just so ridiculous yes. and it's just it's just so ridiculous and it's like yeah there's gory parts but it's not it's not really scary at all it's just like it's scary in that it's like what is going on this is so absurd yeah. but you just have to roll with it i yeah so um, i thoroughly enjoyed this one yeah so uh how about we move on to mother's day our other yes uh psycho mom themed film Oh, why don't you start with this one? Okay, so, uh, Psycho Mom. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Mother's Day is a film by, 
Darren Lynn Bozeman, uh, director of Saw. It's also a remake of uh, Mother's Day um, by Charles Kaufman. And um, I've actually never seen the remake, but from what I read about it, it was also like, it was, uh, it, it, it's like, I, I feel like a lot of people consider it like a exploitation film because uh, there's a lot of gore and there's some rape in there and I I don't I don't know how violent it is or how uh, how gory it is um, but from reading it it sounds like this movie is a little like oh, the 2010 version is a little bit tamer um, but that's that's maybe we'll discuss another time but Mother's Day 2010. Um, it's a it's a home invasion film, and it's, the film is about three brothers who fail to rob a bank, um, and they need uh, one of them gets injured in the bank robbery. He's bleeding. He's dying. He's bleeding out. Um, so they need their mother's help to fix the situation. So. Uh, during the rob or after the robbery, they're on the run. They go back to their mother's house, which is being currently occupied for like the last two or three months by um, a a young a young wedded couple, um, and they're having a house party with a bunch of friends over. And the brothers barge in to discover that uh, not only. Their mother lost the house in a foreclosure, but there's a there's another there's a whole new family living. There's there. a whole new family uh, that moved in, um, and not only that, um, there's uh, a bunch of money and parts of a bunch of personal effects that are that's in the house that uh, that's unaccounted for, and, and and in general things are spiraling under control. So the brothers contact their mother. And she arrives to take control of the situation. And what ensues is a series of grisly and bloody and stupidly bad decisions, which lead to more bad decisions and bad outcomes. And overall, I would like to say, like, this movie, like, the main, one of the main themes about this movie is, like, karma or, like, you know, action and consequences. Um, and, and how... And like I, I know, look at horror movies. You know, people make all the stupid decisions, and they re- like I, I, I wasn't mad at the at at this movie, but it's just like, oh, just why, why are you doing this? Just, just do what, do what they want. And like, I feel like in a real home invasion situation, I, I wouldn't know what to do, but like, like no one, no one ever really knows what they would do. I felt like all. I feel like all the thi- all the all the bloodshed could have been avoided if they just told the truth and they just cooperated, but they didn't. So, so sort of sort of like serial mom, everyone presents the perfect version of themselves. So, across the movie, we learn that people are cheating, people have written checks for other people, people are pregnant, people have lost children, and it, everything just sort of comes to light over that but very much like serial mom up until all of that gets revealed everyone is presenting these p- picture perfect versions of themselves like everything's fine 
there's nothing everyone has a persona everyone's like exactly. everyone's managing a, a public face but mother knows i hate to say this but mother knew best she got each one of them to admit what was really wrong with themselves or their relationships and used it against them yeah like mother um played by like first of all i love the actress her name's uh rebecca de mornay she plays natalie coffin or mother uh she's like the main villainess and she was she... in a great movie called the hand that rocks the cradle Mm-hmm. I actually never seen that. So, but like, this is my first times. It is creepy as fuck. It is messed up. And like, this is my first time. I, th- I, I'm pretty sure it's the first movie I've seen with her. Um. Oh wait, you know what? She, she was in Backdraft. I remember. Ah, uh, Backdraft. That's a great movie. Um, uh, not a horror movie, but okay. That's 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 probably the only other movie I've seen, uh, with her in it. But like, she was just so. Like she, she 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 like, she was such, she had a commanding aura and like, she dominated the screen not in like a chew to scenery kind of way but like, like the way she presented herself, the carried herself and like she had like this really fantastic intensity that captivated me, and I really enjoyed that and like going back to Ryan's point like, mother is like a really discerning and scrutinizing force and she like she could like. She, like, broke everyone down, like, psychologically and physically, and, um... Except the one, the one, the one character that plays the doctor. Yes. He broke uh, her down. And, he, yeah. oh, he paid for it later, but he broke her down. So, the beginning of this movie, you see a woman, you never see her face, but you see someone dressed in a nurse's uniform walking into a hospital... And the security guard is like, ma'am, you have to sign in. You have to sign in. And she just keeps going. She goes right to the maternity ward and she steals the baby and she walks out with it. And then you see the three kids. And then this whole night progresses. And one of the hostages that they take, he was like, you know, you lie to your kids. You never took them to doctors. Never put them in school. You know what? None of them look like you. Let me guess, you're infertile. You can't have kids. And Mother, this is the first time we've seen Mother get really riled and really angry. Like, uh, yeah, so the doctor, George, played by Sean Ashmore from Animorphs fame, and he plays uh, Bobby Drake from uh, Iceman, from X-Men. He really gets under his skin, and um, it... It really like unhinges her, and um, oh, she does not like that. And I and which which is a great point because uh, like one of the big things I th- um I thought from the movie um was uh like the, I thought the movie started like in, in media re- like I well I think class classically uh with Darren Lynn Bozeman he has a uh a thing for like misdirection and he uses like in media res uh plot devices a lot. So, um, I think, I mean, I, I enjoyed that beginning intro scene, but I felt like it kind of cut the legs out of the ending. Cause like, um, in that it set it up pretty much in the beginning. And I think by the end of the film, you were, you were, you're going to expect it. I felt like 
this ending would have been stronger. Um, like, spoiler alerts. Uh, basically, in the end, um, that scene happens after this whole entire home invasion uh, bit happens. And uh, ba- basically, Mother has her revenge and she steals um, one of the surviving members' uh child in the end and i felt like for like a really huge impact i felt like that should have been at the end at first but um given that in the context of your first time viewer of the film i felt like it created some great dramatic drama especially with george uh specifying like oh yeah none of these kids are are actually yours so it, it provides additional layer of like holy shit mother is messed up like she She's a serial baby napper as well, as on top of everything. I also... So, there is this theme in horror movies of the final girl. And in this, we're supposed to obviously think, like, oh, it's gonna have a happy ending. She got out alive. She got hurt. She got to stay pregnant. She didn't die. She got to have her baby. And you think... This is how it's supposed to be. She, like, let her live because she understood that this person would do anything to protect her baby, just like this woman tried to in her own twisted way. And that is not, in fact, what happens. She basically waited around for this woman to have her baby so that she could now start replacing the members of her family that died at this woman's house. Did I like the ending? No. And I don't think it's because I saw it coming. I just think that... I, I don't know. I would have liked to have seen something something different. I wouldn't even been able to tell you how I would have ended it. I just... Was it because maybe there was, like, plot holes? I also... Like, this just wasn't... And this was not his best. Yeah, I... I, I mean... It... Well, it's 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 strange because like Serial Mom and Mother's Day, they're very very totally different, um, and like that should be a disclaimer. But this film, I I agree, it's not it's not Bozeman's best film, and I don't I don't know. It... But that's not to say I didn't I dislike what he did with it. Mm-hmm. I I felt like I think it was more palatable. I I again I haven't seen the original, but I feel like it's a more palatable version uh for today's audience because like i feel like the original was like it, it was practically a snuff film from what i've been reading about it um and you know the original film had some really really like grisly depictions of like rape and because in the 70s and 80s when they were making horror movies there was almost like no rules you could make things completely gory and not really need to explain it away in movies like this, especially in Home Invasion, like, especially with a movie like Mother's Day, I feel like you would have to explain why all of this is happening. So putting it in the setting of a Home Invasion movie, it sort of like half explains away the majority of what these characters do. And I just think that there there might have been not a better way to do it. I think some of it had to do with the fact that some of these actors were not great. And they weren't believable. Some of them were. Some of them were definitely very believable. But there were some of them where I'm like, please stop talking or just die. Because I, I you're terrible. 
And I think that sort of pulls you, pulls you out of it a little bit. And I think maybe that was my problem with it. Not because it, it wasn't enjoy it, not because it wasn't enjoyable, but just because some of the acting was just not good. I enjoy. I really enjoy some of the actors' performance, like uh, like Sean Aspar. I thought he was great. I thought Rebecca De Mornay was really awesome. Deborah M. Wool was great too. Oh, uh, um. Lydia, one of the siblings of of the three brothers, yeah, she's from from um Daredevil fame. She's so, yeah, she she's there. I thought she was pretty good. Um, the brothers, I I mean, I know like they're the I didn't really like the bro, especially um Adley, Adley Coffin. Oh God, that trigger happy little fuck. I think like I think they were trying. Like I, I don't know what was his direction was. He's like, hey, true up the scenery. You're supposed to be like the most psychotic of the three brothers. Uh, I thought he was just. Uh, it's like, please stop. <laughs> he was trying too hard, and his character was a trigger happy little shit fuck. Like everything was. Oh, I'm, so, I'm scared. I didn't mean to do that. Like I didn't mean to bust this woman head. This woman's head open. I was scared, so I pulled her down a uh, thing of stairs. Oh, I didn't mean to do that. I was afraid that my brother was gonna die, so I shot this guy in the face. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of uh Frank Grillo? He played Daniel, the the main husband, and I he's... he wasn't terrible. Yeah, and he also has some acting pedigrees in horror movies. Like his first action role, or first his first leading role was in The Purge: Anarchy from two thousand fourteen. I did. I have not seen The Purge: Anarchy. Oh, okay. Okay. Just some fun trivia. Uh. He wasn't terrible. He he really wasn't. He could have been fine. I I, I think in general, the, I think the actors' performances were pretty decent overall. I mean, and there were some that I listed which I really enjoyed. But I think the thing that that made me not like this movie as much was just like like the nar- like some of the narrative choices did not make sense at all. Uh, and I know for I know like. You have to create drama and like create a, you have to create conflict to spur the story along, or else there, be, there won't be any story. Like, well, I mean, okay, first of all, it was all Beth's fault. Let's let's put it out there. Uh, and it's like, like uh, you uh, could, I, you could, you, I, and, and that that's something that Mother points out, and I completely agree with Mother. Okay, wait, can we just note that Chris is agreeing with a psychopath? Yes. Yes. Uh, and like I said before, uh, karma's huge theme. Everything could have been avoided if Beth could have given mother, mother the money that was sent to their house. Um, and while the 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 boys were sending it to their unbeknownst to them, the, the house was foreclosed. If Beth sh- just handed over the money, and just and George did his thing, passed up the 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 kid. That's why mother stole her baby. She's like, bitch, you lied to me. I'm going to steal your kid. Yeah, exactly. Theoretically, things should be okay. I mean, yeah, maybe maybe they would have killed him all in the end because, like, they saw their faces and you don't leave witnesses alive and stuff. But, like... I'm sorry. They looked like three very generic white dudes. <laughs> and... They were three very generic white dudes. I think the... I think one of the fucked up things about this movie that I was like, oh, okay, all right, I see what you're doing because a lot of it took place going back between what was going on in the house and what was going on with one of the brothers and Beth, 
who had left the house. Yeah, they're doing errands. They're doing errands. They're trying to get money. They go to an ATM with everyone's ATM cards to try and get enough money for them to get out and leave and start a different life. And I think one of the more fucked up scenes of this movie that I was like, okay, I can get behind this, is when they're out at the when Beth and Ike are out at the ATM, and these two girls who are obviously like a little drunk and they've had a fun night out, or maybe they're heading to a fun night out, are basically like, can you guys hurry up? Like we have places to be. And she drops all of her credit cards. And this is where I got mad at Beth. She's making a signal like this guy has a gun, like fuck off. And I'm like, Beth, you dummy, if you just kept your mouth shut, what is about to happen wouldn't have happened. So she drops all. Yes. These characters don't know the meaning of discretion. (laughs) Oh my god, they're so dumb. So she puts the signal for a gun. They freak out and he's like, god damn it, you broke the rules. Now they have to die because you just don't know how to how to follow the rules uh, and ike becomes jigsaw for a second <laughs> yes yes he does and it was it was perfect and he he becomes jigsaw for a second and i think this is probably why i liked this part of the movie he gives them a choice he throws a knife at them and says one of you kill the other one or i kill you both myself and they were like and this girl picks up the knife and her friend played by alexa vega from spy kids says what are you doing? What are you doing? Stop, stop, stop. Like, don't do it. Don't do it. And she's holding it. And you think for a second, oh, shit, she's going to do it. She drops the knife. And Ike goes, oh, that's too bad. And cocks the gun. And Alexa Vega picks it up and stabs her friend right in the stomach. What, like two, three times? Yeah. And then she gets up, runs away, and he shoots. And Ike shoots her in the back. But that scene for like a split second, I was like, oh, this is so good. And then... Like, now, now that I think about it, like, you know, there's a lot of... I mean, it, it makes sense. Bozeman directed Saw. And there's that's just not the... That's not the only Jigsaw-like moment. Like, there's another one where uh, he forces two... He, he forces two guys and... Oh, to, to fight, fight each, each other. other. Yeah, Mother yeah, so, does that. Yes. Yeah, so, so Mother... Uh, well, what's his name? Johnny. Uh, what the... Johnny, Johnny the kid who got shot, who, who gets yeah. shot. Yeah, he's he's ble- he's bleeding out. He's he's looking where, worse for wear. He's like, I don't want to die a virgin. So mother's like, well, if that's uh, what you want, well then, yeah, mommy mommy provides. So, um, and it's so messed up. Like so, she's she wants to choose the most suitable uh lady to take Johnny's virginity and it turns to a jigsaw game where basically the two husbands are having some sort of like macho tiff against each other it's like oh well maybe it looks like you two have something to sort out so whoever beats the other it's like you two duke it out yeah so basically duke it out and whoever wins um the other husband's lady or fiance or wife has to do the dark deed um but see, some stuff like that, like, yeah, it bothers me. But there's stuff like that in certain horror movies where, depending on how it's done, it's just like, yeah, all right, I, I get why you're doing that. But, yeah, maybe that was, maybe those moments, the reason why I like them so much is because they were very Jigsaw-esque. So, but you're nostalgic for another movie that you probably liked a lot more. 
Right, exactly. Exactly, but watching another movie and feeling nostalgic for a movie that you're not watching that has nothing to do with it, I don't... That that does not bode well for you. That 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 means the current movie's not, not catching your attention that well. <laughs> exactly, and that's why I think of the two that we watched, Serial Mom sort of pushes forward and sort of ranks ahead for me. I think I think with Serial Mom, I think it was just so absurd and out there that you're just captivated. Like, what's gonna happen next? Because it's just I was captivated from start to finish with Serial Mom. It's just something that, yeah. And then with Mother's Day, I mean, it's it's very tropey. I think it's very easy to figure. Like, I think it's pretty easy to figure out. Like, oh yeah, this is gonna happen, or you, you can like. Yeah, I don't I, mind I, tropey. But, like, I don't mind it either, but like I mean, tropes exist for a reason because like they're like really, there's like really strong, uh, testing the lab institutions in in filmmaking. But like I don't know, I th- I felt like they weren't used as effectively as they could be, and um, I think just combined with a narrative that wasn't that had it had plenty of holes in it and um some of the acting was just like eh so i think uh, when since it's not bowsman's best but it doesn't make me like him mm-hmm. any less I, it's it's not the it's it it, it was it, it was a good time i i enjoyed you know i enjoyed it but it's like there were better films of his out there and i also think that there are also better home invasion movies out there exactly so but overall, like, didn't didn't hate it, not in the least. And like, and and I feel like the, I feel like with the movie, um, Rebecca De Mornay like carried the entire film. Like, like if it if she wasn't, I felt like if she wasn't there, I would have I would I would have just turned off turned off the TV. Like she, Rebecca De Mornay was just such a captivating villain. There's like I I'll just I'm I pretty much was just in it just to watch her work. Because she was just so captivating every single scene that she was in. So yeah. Um, any other thoughts before we go on to our final rating of Mother's Day? No, I think I'm. I think I'm solid with the at least. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, what was your favorite favorite kid? Well, my my winner for this between the two is definitely Serial Mom. I definitely me too. Yeah, I just think it was superior in most of most aspects for this for this particular category like was mother's day slightly more gory yes and i think that that had that got it points but ultimately serial mom was overall a better movie it was more entertaining i it was just the total ridiculousness of it just really like hooked hooked me and that was it i was very i was very enamored with that movie and i definitely am using enamored in the right sense i was enamored with a movie about a serial killing mother played by kathleen turner that's just that's just how i felt about it i i agree um i think where gozman excels you know he he's really visceral in in the visual sense and there were some great practical effects um, the shotgun or, or, to the face was my was wow. Yeah, or uh, what's her um, one of the one of the ladies who got 
wounded early on. She got shot in the face. So he had this, this really crazy looking, blown out, blown out cheek makeup effect that was going on. That that was really cool. Um, Serial Mom is not is not really gory. Um, it's it's gores used sparingly, but I think it uses it uses it more effectively than than Mother's Day because um the gore is used in a way to accentuate like this weird satirical contrast and it just and it uh, just works so it, well yes um in terms of scares um i mean no, i wasn't really scared i mean there, there... serial mom is not a scary movie well with, even with with mother's day i mean it was I didn't really feel like my heart raced the entire time. There wasn't jump scares. It was just like, oh, this is um... no, but it was horrifying in the sense, mm-hmm. uh, in the same sense of the way a home invasion movie should be horrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like the okay, right so amount here... of terror, I guess. Exactly. Uh, so, I want to get your hot take on this? Who is the better big bad, mother or serial mom? Like, they, again, they're two very different characters. And they're, whole, they're both, like, scary in their own right. So, while Serial Mom is the superior movie of the two, I think that Mother is is the scarier psych, psycho mom of the two. Because not only has she done what she's done her whole life, she's raised four children this way. And now a baby she doesn't stop you would think that that would that going through all of that doing it wrong like going your whole lives doing it this way and then having something so wrong happen um that you would go okay maybe we should stop maybe that was enough i've lost most of my kids i only have i lost half my family i have my two babies left i'm just gonna stop no no she decides to kidnap somebody else's baby to try again that to me is a severely unhinged individual more so than serial mom yeah serial mom had maybe a little bit more balls like she killed a juror inside of a courthouse but this woman is like baby napping people and won't stop so i think mother is a slightly more terrifying figure than beverly and and like i i think mother no like she's She's terrifying, like, she's calculating, she's ruthless, she knows how to manipulate people. Oh, yeah. And, like, Sarah Mom, the only thing you have to do is just get, you gotta be polite. You just have to That's be all polite you have to do. And, and you don't die. Mother, <laughs> I feel like, will just kill you whether she feels, like, if she just feels like it. So the moral of the story is, respect your moms, don't get in their bad sides. Okay. <laughs> yep. That's the, that's the end all be. That's the takeaway from this. Yep. That because this is a Mother's Day special. <laughs> <laughs> Be kind to your mothers. Um, so I know I know Serial Mom didn't exactly have a final girl. Um, but what do you think about Beth? Or did did you think there was like a defining hero of it's Serial Mom? Not. Or is Serial Mom is Serial Mom like the the villain Cereal, that's actually Cereal the hero Mom, they should be rooting for? Serial, I I I'll be honest with you. In Serial Mom, I was absolutely rooting for Beverly. In Mother's Day, there is mm-hmm. no final girl. There is no hero. There was no heroine. Everyone in that movie was fucking awful, except mm-hmm. the doctor. Yeah, and he yeah. dies. So yeah, poor George. 
there was no, not even the sister who like made an attempt, who was just like, no, mom, that's not what you taught us. You said it was the woman's choice. And mother was like, well, it is my, it is the woman's choice. It's mine. Yeah. No. It was really strange. Like with Lydia. Um, well, because George like, with, was getting with, with to the, her. Yeah. With their narrative arc, it really seemed like, like George, like the majority of George's interactions and on, and on screen time was uh, in the company of Lydia um, and throughout the film, you get the sense that like George was really getting to her, like challenging worldview and like challenging everything that she knew, and in a way like turning, like realizing like like how like her questioning mother and her morals and her decisioning. And I really thought like Lydia w- would have turned on mother, like Lydia would have like shot her. But then they backtrack that character development, so that in the end, Lydia still is a accomplice to baby napping. Yep, exactly. So yeah. But yeah, George. George is the best hero, and and, and he wasn't even a real hero because he fucking died. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I don't know what that says, but it doesn't say anything good. Okay, but we can vote for Syria Mom. Yes, because uh, she yes. was great. Yes. Awesome. And uh, were there any creative kills? I think we mentioned it already. Uh, we really enjoyed the Lamb of Leg creative kills. There yeah. were tons of creative kills in both movies. So they both get points for that because some of them, especially in Serial Mom, mm-hmm. are just super funny and enjoyable. Um, and I'm all for good special and practical effects. So watching that shotgun blast that close to the face in Mother's Day and watching like you, you, they, they don't. The beauty of that was that they didn't do like a very intense close-up shot, but you saw from the distance that a flap of his head was mm. up and missing, and it was just it was a nice mm-hmm. touch, and it was done really well. So, every, they both get points. They definitely both get points in my book for that. There was a lot of creativity. Mm. I feel like that went behind everything with that. Uh, like one of the girls gets her hair lit on fire because she was two timing her husband with uh Beth's husband. So But Scotty like was lit fire. up because he didn't wear a uh, seatbelt and, and 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 Beverly made a one liner. She's like, buckle up and she like proceeds to blast him with a homemade flamethrower. <laughs> uh, in front, in front of a a rock concert in Baltimore in the middle of the day, which is hilarious. I love it. Oh yeah, in front of a rock concert in 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 Baltimore, which I have a note about that. There was like an all punk girl group that was singing. Yeah, and they were they were called like the Can Lips, I think, or something, something like that. Caramel or Criminal Lips or something like that. Something like that. And they were singing a song called Gas Chamber, and one of the lines of the chorus was, it's the only way you're going to shut me up. And how does Scotty stop screaming and stop telling everybody, like, Serial Mom's after me, it's Beverly, it's this, it's that? She kills him. She shuts him up. On stage. On stage. To avoiding applause. <laughs> it's, it's so great. It's just so great. It's, it's a bizarro, it is a bizarro world and a bizarre Baltimore they set up. And it's just like, this This will never happen. This is great. <laughs> exactly. I love yes. it. So my my hands down for this one is definitely Serial Mom. Yes. So I think we're both in agreement. So Serial Mom is the winner. Woo! Ding, 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 ding. 
And uh, I think with that, yeah. um, if we don't have, or if you don't have anything else to add, we could uh, wrap up this 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 first episode, this Mother's Day. Woo! Yay! Happy Mother's Day. Be kind to Mother Dearest because she either might baby nap your friend's baby or kill your friends for being impolite. Yes. I don't know which one's worse. Yeah. Just be kind, at least for Mother's Day. Just be like super. Yeah, kind and to and manners maketh man, so be polite. <laughs> oh, <dear>. <laughs> <laughs> and don't wear white after Labor Day. And don't wear white after I, Labor Day. I never understood that, but you know, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I didn't either. But I, I will I'm follow not the rules. <laughs> uh, I'll follow the rules this yes. year. And okay. uh, all right, so Ryan, how can everyone find our show? You can find us wherever you look for podcasts, so iTunes, uh, SoundCloud. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Left for Dread Pod. We are there. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. It helps people find us. Especially on iTunes. Yes, especially on iTunes with their wonderfully tricky algorithms. Uh, and yeah strike up a conversation with us let us know what you're thinking and we are we are down for that we are here for that Mm -hmm. and uh just to tease you for our next episode so everyone here can do some homework episode two is all about demonic possession so so we want to follow along with our movie reviews and our movie face off um we're you should be uh you should watch the Devil Inside, uh, from 2012, mm. uh, and versus Incarnate, which came out in 2016, with Aaron Eckhart. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I remember seeing a trailer for that and thinking, "Wow, this is a very different type of possession movie." So I'm really excited about it. Excellent. Yeah. So if you look for, if you, if you have thoughts about that, or you have thoughts about our super spoopy Mother's Day episode, oh wait, wait, Ryan, we we fucked up. We have to do phobia of the week. We forgot about phobia of the week. Okay, real quick. Before we do that. Real quick, before we say bye. Let's do phobia of the week. Or, which is more spoopy. Which is more spoopy. Yeah. Okay, so let's generate a list right now. Refresh. Yes. Okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. Uh, Ryan. I'm scared. So, so if you're okay, so Ryan, your what is for your segment or for your selection of what is more spoopy? You have hateophobia, which is fear of hell, and I have umphalophobia, which is fear of belly buttons. What? So, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think this. I think I don't. I don't even know. I didn't even know that was a thing. I don't even know if it's a thing. I mean, maybe it's just because like it's a random list generator, so it just pulls two random things to get, just pulls, smashes two phrases of Latin, and just smashes together. I don't know how. I don't know how you could be afraid of belly buttons. I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess they look weird if you think about them, and maybe, maybe you're like, what the hell? Why is my belly button spewing out lint? And what is this, what is it doing? What is it doing? <laughs> or or people with Audi belly buttons are like, what what is that? I want someone to make a horror movie about a killer belly button. 
a killer belly button or like a moss that crawls out of your belly button and like I don't yeah know. that's what i want yeah. i think the only horrifying thing about belly buttons i could think of was that scene in the matrix where agent smith like takes that little robotic drone oh and it oh, sticks oh, the Keanu oh, oh, oh okay yeah 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 okay <laughs> okay so that was my spoopy thing i don't think it's gonna win how about you, Ryan? You have a fear of hell. Except I'm not and... afraid of hell. Yeah, but you're you're not afraid of hell, but like like you can all of organized religion can be attributed in a way to fearing like fearing like Oh, I should not have picked uh, this uh, one because uh, I'm gonna it... piss a lot of people off. So here's the thing is there are some organized religions that don't believe in hell, aka Judaism. I don't believe in hell. And then there are some organized religions that believe if you do basically everything fun, you're gonna go to hell. So my thinking is, is if there is a hell, you want to go there because that's where all the fun people are going to be. Yeah. With the exception yeah. of the truly horrible people, but you would just hope that they're in a different part of hell not bothering you and, like, truly well, getting that's covered. why you have Dante's Inferno. That's why you have, like, the Nine Star Right. So that's why you But, have, like, yeah. if you think about it, oh, I really don't want to go there. I'm really going to piss a lot of people off, so I don't want to do that. But put it this way. If you're of the belief that, like, people doing all the quote-unquote fun shit... I don't mean murder. I don't mean any of that. You know what I'm talking about. Hey, there's a hell for all the people who did all those faux pas in Serial Mom. They're all burning. <laughs> for, 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 for... Damn for, it, Chris! <laughs> for stealing part... There's a special place in hell for stealing parking spots. And Yeah, well, and... people have said there's also a special place in hell for me. So, you know, I'm fine with that. I, 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 I think that fear of belly buttons is just as absurd as the movie Serial Mom. And I think that fear of hell, fear, like the fear of hell is actually like true, truly real for some people. So like, I don't mean to like poke fun at that, but I do think it's kind of funny. Um, but I think due to the very tense religious climate that some people grow up in, the fear of hell is actually quite real for them. So I'm going to say that that is more terrifying mm -hmm. than a than a belly button because it's put it this way a belly button is just like your reminder of your human feeding tube if you will yeah yeah it's it's your connection to your mom it goes all back to mother's day oh the Jesus. belly button is where your umbilical cord goes in and gives you life and nutrients it's your little lifeline so what's what is what is less spoopy than being given life from your mom Inside your belly, so okay. I'm go. gonna go like drink a bottle of wine now. Okay. About all of this. <laughs> well then, now the show is over. <laughs> okay, now's the part where we tell everybody that you can find us everywhere on across social media. I left for dread pod. You can email mm -hmm. us. Uh, you can shoot us a message on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, wherever. Yeah, give us constructive feedback. Give a question. If you if you want to bond or just talk about yeah. your favorite mother's day films that we may have may have missed or not talked about or you want to talk about some true crime about some real life crazy moms or Tokes. maybe you want to talk about how serial killers happen to have like a disturbing trend of pos possessive and you know whacked up moms you can, you can do that too it's all good and like we said next week not next week but next time we're talking about demonic possession with devil with the devil inside and the movie incarnate so we're super stoked about that 
So stay tuned and stay dreadful. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>